Ash Olaf. Hi guys, welcome back to the Symposium and You Can't Podcast with Kids. Um, it's a sad day today as the t- Premier League season um, has finished, but we've still got a lot to look forward to, whether it be the Champions League, the FA Cup, as well as the overall post-mortem and, and autopsy of, of, of the season itself. I'm happy to be joined by Arjun, Lawrence and Boti as usual. Um, and yeah, today we'll be talking about the final round of games and the um, twists and turns and, and the table that ended up being formed. Then we'll do our end of season awards and finally we'll do our team of the season um and yeah Arjun how are you I'm very relieved as I'm sure Lawrence is that our respective teams managed to qualify for the Champions League due to Leicester bottling it really we didn't really get there through any good results of our own more just capitalizing off the failure of Leicester but we managed to do it in the end so I'm quite happy looking forward to next season now now that the mm. Champions League's in the bag I mean I, I I just generally do want to push against the Leicester bottling narrative just because I think the degree of injuries they had cannot be um, overlooked. Uh, Lawrence, how are you? I'm great. Because uh, we're doing the season review today, I I went through some of the old uh, Premier League highlights uh, from the start of the season. I was just filled with nostalgia because there were moments that I just completely forgot happened because the start of the season feels so long ago. Um, mm. But let but we are having to dissect the whole thing. Mm. So, yeah. No, no, I think that that's always a good thing to do. And um, I will say that the next pod after this will be a team-by-team review of their performances in the Premier League and maybe some some uh, more team um, kind of detailed analysis of La Liga as well. So, um, yeah, um, watch out for that one. This is a kind of more general examination of the final week of games. But, yeah, for our deep, in-depth season review, that, that is um, in the second half of this pod, which will be uh, probably at the end of this week. Uh, Boti, how are you? Uh, the word relieved come up a lot. And I'm going to say the same. I'm relieved. And also I feel vindicated as I've been saying that Aston Villa can make it. They'll do it. (laughs) I've been saying Grealish will be the one to do it. And hey ho, here it is. They've done it. So I'm I'm very happy for Aston Villa and for myself. Fair enough. Yeah, you've been vindicated. I I think, you know, uh, backing Jack Grealish. He did manage to get that goal um, in the game against uh, West Ham. I think that's probably a good place to start. So Arjun. What did you make of Villa against West Ham and the drama that unfolded at the London Stadium? Um, I wouldn't really call it drama because because of the fact that Villa were the, the team that got the first goal. It kind of killed all the excitement. I think if West Ham had gone Ryan and Lapa, it would have been exciting for the neutral. Villa would have had something to play for, especially with Bournemouth winning. But because Villa went Ryan and up with so little time left, it kind of meant that the West Ham equaliser was kind of inconsequential. Um, but in the end, obviously a good result for Villa. Um, con- consolidating their status in the Premier League for one more season um, and I'm, I, I feel like the Grealish goal sort of caps off what, what has been a very good season for him but I don't think he'll be staying at, the, at, at Villa Park next season I think he'll probably be moving on potentially to a top six team like Spurs or potentially Manchester United um, I don't think it would be good for his career if he stays at, at Villa um, who you know, could be battling against relegation again next season. But then again, if he if he wants a regular game time, wants to be the star of the team, then maybe that's the place for him to stay. Mm. No, I mean, I mean, um, he did put a lot of social media stuff about it being his team. He's like my club, my people, all this stuff. You know, playing to to kind of his roots and his his um roots as a Villa man through and through. So um, I'm actually starting to get. I think it would actually be slightly serendipitous if he does 
depart for for a top six team. But I think that would be the best thing to do for his career, as you say. Um, Lawrence, what were your thoughts on this? Um, it was quite an important game because um, although Watford were got got hammered by Arsenal and then although they made a bit of a comeback, they 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 lost quite convincingly. Um, if Villa if, if Villa lost this game and given Bournemouth's quality performance, so Villa might have gone down. So, what were your thoughts of this game? Well, um, I think Villa always kind of knew that they needed to get a result because Bournemouth, with nothing to lose, were going to go all out, as we said last pod, um, at Goodison Park, and they did. They did win in the end. Um, I think Villa and West Ham uh, did much better post-lockdown uh, than Bournemouth and Watford, who got relegated. They they showed the kind of fight, as we've said before, uh, that the teams that went down didn't. And um, Villa uh, managing to remain unbeaten for the final four games. Uh, just scraped over the line, and I'm and I'm happy for them. Not as happy as as Boti is, um, but you know it's it's a cl- it's a big club with a lot of footballing history. Mm. Um, so European I'm happy to Cup see European Cup winners, we can't forget that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Uh, Boti, talk to me about Jack Grealish. He managed to score a goal, and uh, yeah, Villa, and also yeah, where, where, where do, you, do you think he's gonna depart or remain where he is? I, I haven't been up to date with the the, the transfer rumours of the last few days, um, mm. but as you said, he 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 loves he loves uh, Villa and the fans. Um, I think I think this this final match has kind of consolidated a legacy for him at the club. The the role he played in bringing them back to the Premier League and now keeping them there. Um, it would be it would be sad for everyone to see him leave. I think if he stayed at the club, he could he can he will definitely be a club legend over over the years. I think uh, I think if uh, Villa make one or two good signings, then they can they can always finish 12th, 10th in in the Premier League. Um, hopefully, stay up. Reflecting on the game itself, um, I, I actually have to say, as much as I've been praising Aston Villa, they got very lucky at many 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 points in the game. Mm. Uh, very early on, Antonio had a great chance, and um, in Tottenham speak, bottled it. <laughs> uh, had a, had a few more uh, similar chances. Aston Villa were also quite scrappy in the uh, in many of their attacks. Yeah. Uh, the the goal itself it was it was well struck in that it had power, but there there, there was a there there was a bit of a godly moment for Grealish in that it just had to go in regardless of uh, where the keeper was. It just had to go in and it did. So it was kind of a fairy tale ending for him in in this season. Mm. No, I think I think that's all fair. Um, moving on then, Ar- Arjun, you um, were had a nail-biting game to watch, which was Chelsea against Wolves. By no means an easy game. It, it actually quite a tough game. Wolves have been very good this year. They've had good players in Jimenez, Traore. Um, but yeah, it actually seemed that Chelsea managed to dispatch them quite comfortably. What were your reactions? Yeah, I think we made the game quite comfortable for ourselves, which was a rare occasion. We managed to win easily two goals from Mountain Drew. Mounts with an excellent free kick. Um, rarely do we have a player who can take free kicks as well as that. Normally we have William who's just sort of barely is able to get it above the ball or just, yeah, hits it straight into the ball. Um, and yeah, we made it, it was a very good performance and Wolves just didn't really turn up. They seemed tired out, lethargic. I think they faded away last few games. Um, and yeah, top four in the bag. Um, what could have been a 
very nervous game turned into a fairly exciting one. And I'm not going to lie, I the last 15 minutes I did turn it over to West Ham Aston Villa because I wanted to focus on that game because that was where the mm-hmm. action was. And mm-hmm. the fact that I was able to do that shows how well we played, really. But mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have any nerves going into the final 10 minutes as I, I thought I would have had. Mm. No, no, it's, it's and it's also, I mean, touching on it briefly, if you would, for next year, you've got Pulisic, he looks already to be a brilliant, brilliant player and he will only get better. You've got signings in the works. Obviously, you need to work on your on your um, uh, defence, maybe get some signings there. But are you kind of positive for next year or, or are, you, are you quite intrepid? Um, I'm very positive. I think the fact that we got top four is a very ex- exciting time for the club. Um, I, th- I, I have no doubt that players would be coming even if we hadn't got top four, such as the pulling power of the club and having Lampard as the manager. However, it's just an extra bit of incentive for players to come and join the only London team in the Champions League next season. Um, I love that you dot that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Although Calvin sad, isn't here. Calvin to low, here. Calvin too. Yeah. Uh, into. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It should be an exciting season, hopefully a bit of a title challenge. But if not, I'm very confident that we can at least do better in the Champions League and um, compete in the league as well as domestic cups. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and you have the FA Cup final to look forward to, which we'll cover in um, a pod next week. Um, Lawrence, briefly, what did you make of the Chelsea game? Um, I didn't. I confess, I didn't watch much of this game um, as I was concentrated on the United game. But watching, watching it back on match of the day, seemed like a very controlled performance. Mason Mount with a delightful free kick, although it's. It's not the best free kick I've seen at Stamford Bridge this season. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was a comfortable performance for Chelsea. Uh, I'd say that you could say the same for United, who played quite a boring game against Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, we won a penalty as always, uh, breaking the or equaling the Premier League record for penalties 14, in the season. Yeah, fourteen, um, which is nice. Fernandez seems to always tuck them away. My favourite moment of the United Leicester game, though, was the uh, the 90th minute uh, finish from Lingard, uh, scoring an open goal but celebrating like he just won the Champions League. Um, I feel, I mean, Lingard hasn't been that um, present this season, but you know, it's nice to see him get a goal. Well, I think it's, just, it's good for his kind of development, I'd say. You yeah. Know. <laughs> I think just briefly touching <laughs> on United season, like. Um, to finish third is a fantastic achievement for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and I'm sure what well, I will touch on later, what I think uh, really changed the season for them. But uh, oh, <laughs> just a hint, it was a transfer. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if you told me at the start of the season, we'd be best of the rest behind Liverpool and City, I'd have bitten your hand off. Uh, I think third is a great achievement and, and the best we could have done. Mm. No, I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, I I didn't expect United to finish to finish third before lockdown. Um, and looking how badly um Ole was in in the uh, kind of end of last season and beginning of this one. So yeah, I, I think um as it's, much as I dislike to say, um they've done very well. Boti, what did you make of the Chelsea and United games and the overall kind of top four positions? Well, regarding Chelsea, um, I was astonished at the strength Giroud showed for that goal. Um, to get past the keeper and round the defender, um. It, it was it was great. It's Giroud showing what he can do, and he's he's been good these last few weeks. Um, I think I have to agree with Gary Lineker's tweets, which is a rare thing, but I, I really think that Pulisic will be the first um, American superstar soccer player. Yeah. Um, 
He's Wait, are you saying Clint Dempsey wasn't a superstar? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in some senses, but Pulisic will uh, he'll he'll win some big big trophies in the coming years, I think, um, which is something for Arjun to look forward to. Um, going on to the Manchester United game, my my only uh, comment on that really was I I hate watching penalties taken the way Bruno Fernandez did because I had to suffer suffer through Neymar <laughs> missing about uh, two of three of every penalty he took like that um beyond that I, I think i agree with everything lauren said it, it's absolutely astonishing what manchester united did and yes it, it was due to a certain signing mid-season mm. i mean um, what do you make of leicester's kind of dropping off well i i think leicester may be tied off tied off a bit um vardy had a chance didn't he this last game where yeah um or more than one chance and i think so did barnes um, so it, it's it's not it, it maybe maybe Leicester were a little bit unlucky. Um, I think Manchester United just had some incredible momentum going. Um, Chelsea were controlled, as has been said already. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, on the penalty on the yeah. penalty thing, I just want to say that when Jorginho goes to Juventus, you'll have that to look forward to in Barcelona invariably. <laughs> By Georgina in about five years, swapping for Anthony Fafi or something, <laughs> then you have that to look forward to. Brilliant. Um, that's, that's a nice bit of, that's a nice uh, evisceration of, of Barcelona's transfer policy. Um, Arjun, just finish off our review then with um, maybe a, a bit of analysis on um, kind of Leicester's dropping off. Is it, is it because of injuries? Is it just because of, you know, classic choking? Uh, what, what do you, what do you make of that? Because it would have, it would have been surprising to say they'd cut, they'd not make the top four if you, if you're talking about this um, when lockdown started. Yeah, it's mostly due to injuries, I guess. Um, since the since the infamous nine all defeat uh, nine all defeat of Southampton that never gets mentioned now, um, <laughs> um, Southampton have actually picked up picked up more points than Leicester in that period. I think Leicester would yes. would finish fourteenth in the table since then with like twenty four points from twenty three games, something like terrible like that. It, they just peaked in the first couple of months of the season and fell off. Yes, due to injuries, maybe due to a bit of complacency. Um, United and Chelsea both individually went on fairly good run, runs at one point. Obviously, United finished finished really well um, in the post um, lock, uh, lockdown um, era. Um, but yeah, you could say it's a bit, it, it, you could say it's a bit of a choking from them. But as I said in in a recent pod, the fact that they finished fifth is in a, is an excellent season by them. So mm-hmm. they shouldn't shouldn't really look too sadly upon this season. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have like, people like Sionchu, Madison, um, Chilwell all injured and they've been some of the best players in the league this year, which which would initially get quite rightly to some people's uh, team of the seasons, you, um, you're inevitably going to drop off. But yeah, no, no, thank you for that. Um, I think uh, briefly I'll just mention that uh, Bournemouth-Everton was an entertaining game. Solanke actually seems to be scoring some goals for once in his career and um, I wish him the best of luck after his brief spell at Liverpool um and yeah although Bournemouth put up spirited performances against performance in against Everton um it was all for naught in the end as, as Villa managed to avoid defeat um and yeah um Watford had consigned themselves to going down I think with the sacking of Pearson um and they they didn't man although they mounted a spirited comeback against Arsenal it didn't come to fruition and I think I don't think many fans from opposition teams have a lot of sympathy with them given the sacking of Pearson um and all I hope is that Liverpool managed to get Saar in the transfer window this summer um, moving on then, boys, let's get to our end of the season awards. Now, um, this season's been different to others, obviously, for obvious reasons due to the pandemic. But um, I think we could still come up with some pretty decent um, candidates for most of these. 
Um, and let's see if we can foment some debate. So let's start with who is your manager of the season, Arjun? Um, it's hard to look past Jurgen Klopp for everything he's done this season, the success that he's brought Liverpool, and the way he's done it. He's you know he's been a very inspirational manager, mm-hmm. and this season is just the culmination of everything that he's brought to Liverpool in the last couple of years. Obviously, the Champions League last season, and you could argue um, the the more significant achievement of the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look past Jurgen Klopp. But certainly, you can give honorary mentions to some others, like I'm sure um, the other the other panelists will. Chris Wilder has done an excellent job at Sheffield United. Um, Carson Hootel of Southampton, potentially a bit of bias here, but Lamar has done a fairly good job with Chelsea in the circumstances that we found mm-hmm. ourselves in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard to look past Jurgen Klopp. Uh, fair enough, um, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, Jan Klopp is all good in that, but how can you look past Jose Mourinho? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, top four since he took over, if you if you count the table. No, no, no it's got to be Jurgen Klopp. I mean, to keep the momentum from last season in the league, mm-hmm. um, to basically for three seasons running, look like Premier League uh, contenders, um, I think that, we can't really look past Jurgen Klopp uh, just for the, the achievement of winning the Liverpool's first league title. Um, and yeah, the, uh, Liverpool have turned from an as as Ashwin said in his favourite game segment, uh, they've turned in from like an entertaining team to uh, a winning machine. Yeah, which is something that um, down to the coach. Yeah, I think I think if it wasn't going to be Jurgen Klopp, I would have chosen Chris Wilder. Just yeah. because Sheffield have overperformed massively, given how much first of all how much they spent, and second of all they are a promoted team. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I can't see past Jorgen. Actually, do you? I assume you don't disagree. No, I I I didn't have a single doubt when I put pen to paper to prepare for this podcast. It had to be Klopp. Um, winning machine is maybe an understatement. I mean, to winning God this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 really an Im- impressive thing that he's done in the last few years. Um, I think he thoroughly deserves to be named manager of the year. Fair enough. Yeah, and he did win the Alex Ferguson Award, uh, I think, yesterday. Um, yeah, as I have nothing really to add on on Klopp. Um, I mean, he'd be, probably be my choice. Just, but I'm I'm slightly biased, obviously. But the facts are there for everyone to see. I think we won 27 of the first 28 games, or something something like that. And yeah, the, the the keeping of the momentum from last season, despite the disappointment of coming second to City, um, the winning of, of the league title. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll thank you for the rest of my life. Um, as I said, I think I've got a lot of affection for Chris Wilder just because of what he was able to do. And I think without without lockdown, he, they'd definitely be within the Europa League spaces. Um, and yeah, like, it's a shame that lockdown cut off their momentum. Um, I think actually someone you've not mentioned, which I'm surprised actually all of you, is that I think Harsen Hootel has been quite good in that, um, although obviously Southampton had that thrashing against Leicester, after that game, Southampton performed really well. And if you look at the kind of stats since that game, Southampton are a top six side and um, that, you know, they've done, they've done really well with the resources at hand. And I think Harsen Hootel's managed to find the Holy Grail of, of getting the most out of kind of Danny Ings, which is, which is uh, something that a lot of managers have tried to do over quite a lot of time. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's done really well. But yeah, I think we all agree on, on kind of Jurgen Klopp. Um, next category is um, 
Who is your overall player of the season, Arjun? For me, it has to be Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's been phenomenal this season. Um, sadly, not able to propel um, Manchester City to the title. But I think for if you talk about outstanding players, he has to be the, the midfield metronome that he is. Um, however, I, I want to make a case for Sergio Mane as well. Um, he's just, his playmaking skills and, dis, and disruptive skill that he brings to Liverpool has been like often a game changer that Liverpool have had to rely on when the get going gets tough. A score of great goals as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that Kevin De Bruyne has to be my favourite for the season, um, player of the season, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, Lawrence? Um, yeah, I was sort of tossing between the two, like Arjun. Uh, for me, Sadio Mane just pipped it. I mean, first of all, Liverpool did win the title, but I think... In, in a in a team which prides itself on being a team, Mane managed to be the standout player. Um, as Arjun said, um, Liverpool relied on him many times to sort of break the deadlock, um, which he did on 10 occasions this season. Uh, he found winners against stubborn opposition like Southampton, Palace, Wolves. And even though he, I don't think he was top scorer in the league, I think Salah for Liverpool... Um, Salah was, but I think in terms of winning points, uh, getting Liverpool over the line when they're not winning 3-0-4-0, Mane really was the difference in many games this season. And for Mm -hmm. that reason, I'd give him my player of the year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Boti? I, like Arjun, ended up going with Kevin De Bruyne just because of uh, his, his his incredible stats in midfield. 20 assists involved in 33 goals overall, and that added up to a goal or assist every 84 minutes. Um, I think the 20 assists, he tied Thierry Henry's assist records for the Premier League in one season. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, uh, Henderson took the PFA uh, Player of the the Season award, didn't he? I I thought that was a a steal from Kevin De Bruyne, and he's really deserved to win something, an, an individual award like that over the past years and he hasn't managed to do it but Mm -hmm. this should have been the year in my opinion No, I mean I entirely agree with um, Kevin De Bruyne and Sadio Mane I think De Bruyne equaled Henri's assist record and yeah I think he's probably the best midfielder in the world right now and I don't think that's I don't think that's hyperbole Um, Mane, yeah, his quality speaks for himself he's been brilliant for Liverpool for four years I'd always be grateful for him for being there and I think in 2016-17 which was Jurgen Klopp's first full season where we got back into the Champions League before before Salah arrived, and Mane was kind of um, Jurgen Klopp's first signing, big signing, and and he pulled the he pulled out pulled out the bag and and he was instrumental in setting Liverpool on the path that they managed to kind of reach the end of now. Um, as you say, uh, all of you said that the points that he um, manages to pick up for Liverpool are really valuable. Um, in that, although Salah scored more goals, you could think of many games where Mane has pulled us out of a hole, like against Villa. Um, um, and um, yeah, it, it's hard to overstate how, um, how quality, how, how uh, his quality in terms of ball distribution, finishing, um, pace. He's just got everything you need from from an inside forward or from a winger. Um, I think some people that haven't got um, enough praise, perhaps um, as, as kind of honourable mentions, maybe Danny Ings, just because of his kind of goal scoring quality. 
I think Jamie Vardy was in was in with a shout of winning the award before lockdown. But as with the rest of Leicester, he's kind of um, slacked off slightly. Um, but yeah, I, I think we have we have some reasonably strong consensus. Yeah, I probably we- maybe. Sorry, I just maybe dropped Trent Alexander-Arnold in there somewhere just because he keeps breaking records for for um, assist records and goal involvements for for fullbacks and, and defenders. So, um, I mean, yeah, he's he's always a mainstay in this kind of discussion. But yeah, Arjun, sorry. Yeah, with Danny Ings, you can make an argument that no individual player has had as as big a positive influence on his team as Danny Ings, um, considering the the quality of the players around him. Twenty-two goals, I think five assists, and mm. he contributed directly to seventeen points. And those excluding, excluding the times that he brought Southampton back into a game that they ended up losing but still scored mm. um, goals. So, yeah, and I think that that's why I, I put it, I think we'll go, go, go into it later, but he'd be in my team of the season over Vardy, mainly because he was consistently scoring, no. whereas Vardy sort of fell off alongside Leicester. No, I think I entirely agree. I think I entirely agree. Uh, Bo, you had something you wanted to add about um, Klopp? Yeah, just, just in the way, um, as you described the process that, Klopp uh, uh, underwent in Liverpool, the way he transformed the club. I mean, it, it really, to me, it really resembles something like the the dynasty that Phil Jackson built at the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Um, mm, high praise, that, that's, high Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's really what it seems like to me. It's extraordinary that there are all these um, average, or were at the time average to good players lying around. Klopp's brought them in and he's created this uh, absolute behemoth of a team. Um, so all my praise to Jurgen Klopp. Mm. I know. I mean, um, it's it's greatly appreciated, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously very thankful to the man. Uh, let's move on now. So that was our overall player. Let's move on now to our I think goalkeeper of the season. So um, I'll just go first. I think for me, mine is probably Henderson uh, for Dean Henderson for uh, Sheffield United. I think he had a brilliant season. I didn't know much about him before the season began, but he's pulled off some quality saves. He's part of a very very good defence. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, from a place of where he started in the fall season, where very few people would have known about him, I think he's performed brilliantly. Arjun? Yeah, mine would be Nick Pope for Burnley. Mm. Um, there's a reason why Burnley's results constantly, consistently exceed what the game stats um, say they should be achieving. The reason is because of his clean sheets. Only he one was brilliant sheet. against Liverpool. Yeah, um, only one clean sheet of, of sharing the golden gloves at a team like Burnley is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, so, yeah, so he would be in my team of the season, and with him and Henderson vying for the top spot in the England goal next summer will be very interesting. Mm. Um, especially when Pickford seems to make an absolute howler every other game for Everton. So you think he's out of the England in England um, considerations? Well, I think we've discussed about how um, Southgate is quite loyal to his to his, to his team, but I think that if Pope and Henderson continue this form next season, I don't think Pickford will be commanding the sticks next season no okay no, fair enough and I always I say I mean um Divock Origi showed that Pickford has quite small arms so maybe you need longer arms to perform well in international tournaments um Lawrence <laughs> what are your thoughts um is um I assume you're putting David De Gea as your keeper of the season oh yeah obviously yeah no <laughs> um my goalkeeper was Dean Henderson um yeah. I think that Sheffield for me have have had a very surprisingly good defence this season, 33 goals conceded, and I think Henderson's been a massive part of that. Um, if you look at his his stats, he's got 13 clean sheets a season at a club like Sheffield. That's not um, well. That's fantastic, and his expected goals conceded um, was 38.9, but 
despite having only conceded 33 goals. So he had sort of a plus 5.9 difference, um, which is a great statistic for a keeper. If you look at the other the others in the league, Allison only has plus 2.4. Pope, surprisingly for me, when I when I looked this up, was was only minus 0.3. So actually. Mm. Uh, conceded more goals than was expected. I mean, a Kepa is a fantastic minus 9.2. Um, <laughs> but I think that <laughs> I think that Henderson, I think Arjun's right. Uh, the fact that the two main contenders uh, for this being Pope and Henderson, uh, well, it bodes well for the uh, future England squad, both being relatively young keepers. Mm-hmm. Bobby, what are your thoughts on the goalkeeper of the year? Well, Pope and Henderson are brilliant choices, but just to be a little bit different, um, I, I thought I'd give it give it to Edison. Um, really? 60 and uh, yeah, 16 clean sheets of 35 games and uh, 30 goals conceded. I thought uh, great, and um, yeah, give some praise to Edison for once. He's not always living in the shadow of Allison. Mm, no, fair, fair enough. I mean, I, I do personally think Allison is the better keeper, but but yeah, those are some compelling compelling stats, and yeah, it's different to the other choices that people have given. And I guess he's probably working behind a worse defence than than definitely Henderson is. Um, so so maybe yeah, that that's some relevant considerations. Um, Lawrence Arjun, do you have anything kind of rebuttal for the choice of of Edison? Uh, well, I mean, Edison is a different keeper to Henderson and Pope in that you also have to take into consideration how good his distribution is. Mm-hmm. Um, He's an integral cog of that uh, playmaking team in in possession. Um, And for that, Guardiola needs a very specific type keeper. And you could say Edison has has performed that role very well. Um, Yeah, I I guess my statistics on choosing Henderson were mainly focused on on saves um, and his work as like a traditional keeper. So, yeah, I could definitely see the case for Edison. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, okay. Let's move on to our defender of the season. Who do you have, Arjun? Well, defender of the season is quite hard um, because you can talk about fullbacks and centre backs. Um, I suppose if we're going for purely centre backs, um, my defender of the season would be um, Declan Rice. Um, it, it, it's a bit of a rogue choice because obviously I wouldn't say he's the best centre back of the season, but my, my shout. For the yeah most improved slash surprise pick would be Declan Rice. He played in every single minute of the West Ham um, games this season, and he's been a commanding presence at the back. Um, he's played in the centre back position 31 times this season, um, and he's been the reason that West Ham stay back. He's an absolute baller, and I think that next season he'll be playing at a much bigger team. Um, and then overall defender, I would go for Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. Predicts said that Liverpool played in, in exactly the same way. They just cross and hope for the best. But I think that, that, that that's clearly the way they play. They, they maximised the Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. So I'd say that he would be my pick for defender of the season in that way. I completely agree with Arjun there. Trent Alexander-Arnold's also my defender of the season. Um, he got 13 assists this season. Uh, and Liverpool, with their system of, of playing such attacking fullbacks has really been rewarded. Uh, he's he's made 151 shot-creating actions this season. That's 4.28 per, per game, which is frankly ridiculous for a defender. Um, 
he's 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 been a constant threat at set pieces. Uh, just to give context, Robertson only averages 3.12 uh, shot creating actions per game. I mean, but you know, both of this, both of those numbers are are, are fantastic, and I think that um, this talk about moving uh, Alexander Arnold into midfield seems a bit premature when he's performing so well um, in that right back position. Uh, yeah, he's my defender of the year. For me, I had uh, Virgil van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold tied for, for this award um, for all the reasons listed uh, by Lawrence and Arjun for Trent. And, um, of course, Virgil van Dijk for being the commanding head figure um, and leading Liverpool to the title. Um, great guy. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, so... I think for my my choice, I think Van Dyke is um, a very obvious choice. I think it, it's hard to overstate, you know, his quality. Declan Rice is a really interesting choice of margin. I understand why he made the choice, but I think I disagree because he, his performances as, as a centre-back weren't particularly, um, you know, groundbreaking or impressive. I mean, he was good for, for a midfielder playing centre-back. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I'm surprised that... I'm surprised that... Um, I'm surprised that you made that choice. Um I think I think Alexander Arnold is an obvious choice from the fullback perspective, just because of what he adds in the attacking game. It's something we've not really seen seen before or seen in a long time. Um, I think some people like um, Egan or um, Sionchu, I think they have honourable mentions as well. Um, from fullback perspective, I think Luca Dean from Everton is obviously quite good. Ben Chilwell, they, they will put, put good performances in. But overall, I can't disagree and say I've got I've got to say that the best the best fullback is probably been um trent so that, that's uh the best defender um then i'm moving on to the best midfielder so we've kind of agreed that de bruyne was the best player in the league overall um so that would make him the best midfielder by definition as well because he is one i wondered who else you put up there or, or at least second to him then um Boti, why don't you go first this time so um i i hesitated a little just because he was a mid-season signing but Bruno Fernandes and the difference he's made for United, um, I, I, I have to say it's it's got to be him. Um, whether it's goals, assists, passes, um, he has it all. Um, he really, he, he's, he's infused Manchester United um, with some real momentum and it's carried them to third place. Um, but I, I'm sure Lawrence has more to say on this. Lawrence? Yeah, I was, I was going to talk about... I, Personally, I didn't feel like Fernandez merited midfield of the season, given that he only played for I think 14 or 15 matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree that Fernandez has been fantastic. I'll I'll probably talk more about him for the my signing of the season. Um, but yeah, he's made a massive difference, and I can definitely see why Boti done Boti chosen. Um, I wanted to mention Adama Traore for my midfielder of the season. Oh, interesting. Although he's played um, on the forward line a few times. Yeah, well, I mean, midfield or forward. Um, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, he's been he's been uh, a real breakout for Wolves this season. Uh, not only, well, if you just look at his stats alone, I mean, he's got... Uh, they aren't as impressive as, as perhaps a player like Sterling. Um, he's got four goals and nine assists, but um, 
the way that he terrorizes defenses. I'm thinking of the match against City where Wolves won 3-2. Um, Traore absolutely uh, terrorized Benjamin Mendy that game. Mm-hmm. And he's got, this season, he's made the most take-ons completed out of everyone with 183. Um, he's completed 75% of his dribbles, which is absolutely like fantastic when you compare to players like Zahar, who only gets 62%. Uh, completion Rashford 55% Sterling 50% um, he does much more than just goals and assists he's a constant threat in most games and I think left backs are going to have to create specific plans for him next season mm. no that, that's um, that's very high praise Arjun yeah my, my midfielder of the season would be um, De Bruyne obviously but uh, obviously Fernandes has been excellent acquisition for Manchester United um, so yeah, it's hard to look past him there. Um, he's yeah, he's impacted United massively. Um, in terms of signings of the season, if we're just going to talk about Fernandez as a player quickly, um, you could you could argue someone like, um, well, Palace's um, acquisitions of Gary Cahill and Jordan Ayew for two point five yeah, million. Jordan Ayew was my was my yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, 2.5 million for the both of them. Gary Cahill was a major reason why Palace had been so good pre-lockdown in defence, and Jordan Ayew coming in with nine goals in this, uh, the season, some valuable goals there. And he also was my pick um, for goal of the season that we'll talk about later. Um, Su- Suchek to West Ham has been great since he's come back from loan, and it's quite good for them. They bought him permanently. Um, and also, if you want to be technical, you could count Danny Ings and Christian Pulisic as. Um, new signings this season although of course they were brought um uh, be- before this season started mm-hmm. but yeah um fernandez would be my pick for mid- a midfield best signing and best midfielder i guess alongside de bruyne yeah um i mean in terms of best midfielder talking alone i, I think um obviously after de bruyne you've got a lot of candidates you've got madison Grealish, um Traore, if you're counting him as a midfielder certainly is up there um, Jordan Henderson won the award, but I think in terms of pure quality of player, I'm not sure if he's um, equal to, um, although I think he's very underappreciated, I'm not sure if he's equal to, to some of the other names mentioned. Although, um, I don't know, you can make a very good argument. Um, um, I think overall, um, you've all got all got very good picks. Um, if you count Raheem Sterling as a midfielder or midfielder forward, I think he's got a very good very good um, case in terms of he's maintained his quality over some quite a few years um, and he seems consistently to be scoring goals and, and finishing, which is a problem that he had earlier in his career, which I admire because it shows hard work and kind of an actual improvement. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Bruno Fernandes and it's, it's um, obviously very clear that he's had a transformative effect. I probably wouldn't give him the award just because it was only a half season and a lot of his impact did come from penalties. Um but yeah, I mean, talking about talking about Bruno Fernandes, you have Arjun there talking about his favourite signing, and he said Jordan Ayew, which I I massively agree with. That would have been my choice too. Um, he transformed Palace, and he ensured that they weren't at risk to go down despite their awful form at the end of the season. And he scored heaps of, of very very cu- crucial goals, and he was obviously a transfer steal. But Lawrence, yeah, sorry, you had something you added, you wanted to add about De Bruyne. Yeah, just because I didn't choose him for my player of the season, people might think I hate him. I actually think he's an absolutely beautiful player. In in such a great City team, he manages to stand out um, like by a mile, uh, which is no mean feat. Um, watching him play just, just makes me smile. He's got 13 goals and 21 assists this season. But it, it's just, 
his just to talk about his his style of play he he combines this exceptional technical ability with an almost like uh, godly understanding of the game um i had like half an hour to put this whole list together before the pod mm. but i still spent 15 minutes watching a, a de bruyne compilation Apologies. because he is just he's just that good and um if it if city had won the league i would have definitely chosen um and he is definitely my midfielder of the, of the year um yeah i don't think we can stop appreciating him mm. Yeah, thank you, Lawrence. That was um, yeah. I mean, I entirely agree with you on De Bruyne. I think um, it's it's hard to like it's hard to overstate how good he is. And yeah, it's always fun to watch a compilation of of some of his stuff on YouTube. Um, I guess it's now time to talk about forward of the season. Um, Boti, what were your choices for that? Um, my my decision was between Vardy and Mane. Um, Vardy put up some great stats, won the Golden Boot, so of course he was a uh, he was there to be considered. But um, it only got Leicester fifth place in the end. And for all the reasons um, that have already been said about uh, Mane, um, those, those points he brought Liverpool, breaking the deadlock, being the absolute threat on the left wing with pace, um, it, it's got to be Mane. Great season for him. I think uh, Bodhi, that's definitely true about, about Mane. And yeah, we, as you said, he's, he's really important to the way that Liverpool play. Um, and yeah, he's obviously uh, really good in goal, goal scoring situations. Um, Lawrence, what are your thoughts for um, forward of the season? Well, obviously Vardy has to be in consideration winning the Golden Boot. Um, I, I, however, think that Mane overall has to be the forward of the season. Um, yeah, I've, I've spoke about it before, but his contribution to Liverpool this season has been a major part of their title challenge and, well, title winning campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's pretty simple in my eyes. Fair enough. Um, Arjun, what are your choices for forward of the season? Um, yeah, as I said before, Mane has been excellent, so I put him as my forward of the season. Um, you can also make a case for Danny Ings as well, who's been phenomenal, mm-hmm. and Aubameyang, who has scored 23 goals, I think, this season, and annoying, annoyingly missing out top scorer, costing me quite a bit. Uh, off money but um, I think that if he was at a bigger club than Arsenal in terms of a club that had done better this season he would be fated more um, I think he's been the reason why Arsenal have managed to finish as high as they have um, coming in some crucial goals and I think that next season with Arsenal not in Europe he'll be in quite um, he'll, he'll be the reason why they, they, they do better next season and he'll carry them to, in my opinion, a Champions League place. Fair enough. Uh, that's that's a that's a bold prediction, but we'll get get into that in a different pod. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I agree with all of you on the kind of candidates that are at hand. Whether it's Mane, whether it's Ings, um, I think Aubameyang. Um, uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, although I think some of his goals are worth less than some of Ings's. I think I think that's fair enough to say. But yeah, um, let's move on to. Um, goal of the season. Arjun, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so my goal of the season would be Jordan Ayew's goal um, against West Ham in December. Now, Jordan Ayew's a player who has been um, overshadowed quite a bit by his brother, Andre Ayew, right from the get-go. The 2010 World Cup, his brother Andre Ayew was the, was the star for Ghana team that reached the quarterfinals. Um, but yet now, he, Jordan Ayew seems to have surpassed him 
even you could you could even say that he's been overshadowed by his father Abidi Pele, who's who's one of the greatest players in the history of African football. Um, but yeah, Jordan Ayew has been a great signing this season for Palace. Nine goals in 37 games, and this goal was phenomenal. So he in the final minute of the game, um, with nothing nothing really happening, he sort of drives forward to the goal um, with the air of someone who has a greater purpose. Um, he appears to reach trouble when Declan Rice stretches to intervene, but he tries to sort of he tries to sort of pirouette and goes past Rice, and then he has four players in front of him but retains the composure to dance between um, Angelo Ogbonna and Barbuena. And then he only has um, Roberto to beat and just finishes in style by chipping it above his head. Um, the, the fact that the goal was a winner, um, coupled with the fact that he had like five plays in front of him, meant that it was quite a phenomenal goal. Um, yeah, that would be my pick for goal of the season. I remember watching it live and just thinking, wow, you know, if he, can, if he could repeat that more regularly, he would be mm. talked about more. Uh, Lawrence, you had something to add for goal of the season. Yeah, um, I, I personally think that this season wasn't great for f- beautiful, fantastic goals. Although there were like decent goals for everyone, you know. Um, as Arjun talked about, there was a nice individual goal from Arjun. Uh, so <laughs> individual goal from Jordan Ayew. I wish, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, there was that mazy run from Hung Min Son against Burnley that definitely deserves praise, leaving a trail of defenders in his wake. I'm sad that Calvert doesn't get to be on this part because it's like the only part where Tottenham can shout about. Yeah. Um, in terms of like acrobatic out- efforts, I, I think Welbeck and Jachen Bash's goals deserve mention. Um, but for, for me personally, like for a goal that took my breath away, pure technical brilliance, um, De Bruyne's volley against Newcastle, uh, definitely ranks up there for, for me. He he receives the ball, uh, well, the ball is in the air, just outside the box. He chests it down, and then on the half volley, just absolutely thwacks it um, into the net, crossbar and in, which is which is my uh, favourite goal, to be honest. Um, yeah, when it hits, bounces off the line and then into the roof of the net, oh, absolutely fantastic. And um, De Bruyne scored some brilliant goals this season the goal against Arsenal where he managed to control like a weirdly bouncing ball into the top corner also deserves mention but yeah um his volley against Newcastle is mine no I think that was brilliant I think mine would probably be Song Hoon Min just uh, against Burnley just the mazy run I thought that was brilliant but yeah yeah and I think and I think we have good consensus there so we can move on quickly to Best signing. Uh, Arjun's already spoken briefly about this. He's talked about Jordan Ayew and his impact at Pal- Palace. He's talking about spoken about Bruno Fernandes, which has obviously turned around the forces, uh, the turned around the um, opportunities in Man United. Um, Lawrence, who's your signing of the season? Well, my signing, my signing of the season has to be Bruno Fernandes, and it's not just because I'm a United fan, but because I'm a United fan. I can talk very passionately about how much he's changed uh, the whole complexion of this season. Um, the game before he arrived in January, uh, Burnley won 2-0 against Man United at Old Trafford. And after the game, Solskjaer said that United weren't good enough, they lacked ideas, they lacked imagination, and the players were actually jeered by the fans at Old Trafford, which happens so rarely. And it kind of looked like Solskjaer's time was up. 
Um, but then Fernandez comes in uh, in the January transfer window and he changes uh, our season. Not just because we went from seventh to third in that time, but also because he was the perfect signing. Uh, the way he conducts himself off the pitch, he's humble. He always talks about the team. He talks about wanting success um, with United. He talks about how he loves playing with the rest of the squad. On the pitch, his his impact has been far greater. Uh, he leads by example. With the ball, he always looks forward. He plays 7.58 progressive passes per game, which is mm. uh, fantastic. He's in such a short time. I know, Ashwin, you said he, he scores a lot of penalties, but eight goals and seven assists shows uh, shows the kind of impact that he's had. Yeah. Um, he's always willing to make runs. Something that we suffered from was that Rashford and Martial would make runs and players wouldn't find them and they get discouraged. But Fernandez always makes runs, always willing to play passes to those who makes runs. But also off the ball, he presses hard. When he loses the ball, he tracks back. Um, he is the the catalyst for this United team. The the signing, I mean, people have likened his impact to Cantona. I don't think those claims are unfounded. The kind of impact that he's had on and off the pitch this season for United uh, has been fantastic. And, and the fact that I'm saying this, despite him only arriving in January, uh, just kind of shows the impact that he's had. Um, I mean, I was on I was on board with everything you were saying until you said that it's equivalent to the impact of Cantona. I mean, if it is, we've still got a lot more time to to see before, if, if that comes to fruition. But but yeah, I agree he's on the right path. Um, Boti, your choice for signing. Um, word for word, what 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 Lawrence has said, I think he's made he's made the case for Bruno. Very and I totally agree. Fair enough. No, I think um, struggle to disagree. I'd I'd say I'd say Jordan Ayew just because of um his goals were so valuable for Palace and, and the fact that their form was so bad after lockdown, which illustrates you know how close they would have been to relegation um should he have not gotten those goals earlier in the season. So I think maybe him for me, but I think Bruno Fernandez, you you can't. Um, can't overstate the um, quality of his performances and, and the fact he's been so instrumental in turning around Manchester United's fortunes. Um, moving on now to the best game of the season. So I'll go first. I think for me, there are two choices. One is Liverpool 5-3 Chelsea, which although it was a very recent game, I thought it was a really exciting game to watch. It was a bit of classic Liverpool from 2014, 2015-ish, letting in goals but scoring heaps. Um, yeah, entertaining, enter and stuff. It's, it's, it's really what you like. And But I think... Uh, the game that was better than that was Chelsea 2-1 Man City. Even though there was no crowd there, it was intense. It was fiery. The goals were high quality. Every all Both teams had chances. It was everything you love about the Premier League. Uh, Boti, what was your game of the season? Well, Ash, you're really not going to like this. I, I solely picked it because it's the one that made me smile, laugh and uh, feel great about myself the most. I happened <laughs> to be in a bar at Bristol uh, at the time and the whole bar was throwing their drinks. The vibe was absolutely immense. And, if, of course, this game was uh, Watford-Liverpool 3-0. Oh. Uh, what a day it was. Thanks for that. Come on! <laughs> and that, is that, I mean, what's, your, um, what's your reason? Solely because everyone was happy about it. And, um, you know, as a utilitarian, well, <laughs> not actually, but let's just say when everyone's happy, I'm happy too. Fair enough. No. How, what a charitable bloke you are. Lawrence, what favourite game of the season for you? <laughs> Well, the first match that came to mind was that Chelsea City match. Um, it kind of, as you said, it, it had the fire and passion that people said that would be lost without crowds um, in the Premier League. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously, in terms of its importance, um, again, a, a league title was won at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea didn't win it. Um, but yeah, my uh, match of the season was Wolves v Man City 3-2. Wolves uh, winning despite being 2-0 behind to complete the do- league double over, over Man City. And uh, I've mentioned how much I admired Dharma Traore before. Well, in this game, he was... He was absolutely magnificent. And I forgot to mention earlier um, how much I rate Raul Jimenez as well, Mm -hmm. who I think is a very underrated striker in the Premier League. He's got 17 goals this season. And he has, for me, he has the attacking awareness and finishing of a number nine. But he also combines this with the flair and technical attributes of a number 10. Uh, And in this game, he, he did manage to score. Um, and for me, like the comeback that Wolves managed to manage to put over on City um, was a real delight for me. And uh, um, yeah, it was a very enjoyable game. Arjun, your your thoughts on the uh, best game of the season? Yeah, my game of the season is I'm a bit biased because I went to this game, but it would be, and it also wasn't in the league, but it was Chelsea for Ajax four because it was just an insane game. Um, Ajax gave one and a half after one minute. Getting a penalty and scoring it two minutes later, and then us going three three one down at half time, all hope lost. Four one down after ten minutes of the second half, and then managing to complete come back to four four with Ajax's two players sent off, getting a late late winner only for it to be ruled out by off, um, disallowed through offside. So yeah, that was a mental game to watch for me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 in terms of Premier League games, I agree with Lawrence. The Wolves Man City games class mm. also. The Chelsea Man City game a few weeks ago was was a great game, and also I want to put in a shout for Southampton against Man City from um, earlier this month. It was just a defensive masterclass from Southampton, who um, went ahead after 15 minutes and then just defended, defended, defended for the rest of the game. You know, City created so many chances, and Southampton just prevented all of them. That was a great game to watch. Mm, no, I think um, I think. Um... I think I agree. Um, as, as I say, I think another other game I'd like to mention briefly was um, just Liverpool four nil Leicester, just because it was it was like the the most comprehensive dismantling of a team of similar quality or, or at least that, according to the table similar quality that I've seen in such a long time. It showed that uh, I guess the importance of Liverpool's fullbacks in the title win, just in the sense that um, Mane and Salah didn't have their best game, but but Alex, Alexander Arnold pulled through and and it was a uh, really good. Um, and, and yeah, it was just just a really good game for demonstrating uh, kind of Liverpool's tactical proficiency. Um, let's talk briefly then now about the best team, best moment for our team. So I think either for me, I'll start off. It was either that game or the defeat um, at Anfield for Man City 3-1, where we moved eight points clear, which kind of proved to me that we were kind of on the way this season. Um, Lawrence, what was the best moment for your team this year? Well, continuing the trend of beating Man City. Uh, the game where United beat uh, City 2-0 at Old Trafford to uh, complete the league double over them uh, was was my best moment. Um, the the moment when McTominay scored that 45-yard chip over Edison, I can't remember many moments more satisfying than that mm. over the years. Old Trafford was absolutely bouncing. I only wish I could have been there. Um, yeah. And it was it kind of demonstrated first of all the impact of Bruno Fernandes who gave a great assist for the first goal uh, with the free kick for Martial, um, but also 
the the way that we've come together as a team and um yeah keeping a clean sheet against city is no mean feat oh, fair enough um Bertie, although it's Barcelona, what was your best Barcelona moment of the season? Um, it's it's hard to say really when it is, it feels like it's been a disappointing season. I'm really hoping uh, the the moments yet to come in the Champions League when we lift the trophy, <laughs> me being very hopeful. But then uh, Liverpool aren't there to humiliate us this year, so you know it's a, it's in the giving. Um, it was probably a, a messy free kick goal um, earlier in the year. Uh, I think it was against Villarreal. It was nice. Uh, as re- representing, I'll, I'll pick up Aston Villa as my as my Premier League team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously Grealish's uh, goal in this last round. Against West Ham. But just, just as a, a random moment that I want to bring up, I, I think the funniest moment has to have been um, seeing the recent video of Mourinho just being Mourinho telling... <laughs> Telling his team to be a bunch of somethings for 90 minutes, uh, classic and funny, um, and yeah, really sums up his uh, strategy as a manager as well. Lawrence, your funniest moment? Um, I mean, when Arsenal came back from lockdown, I don't think anyone had that high expectations, but nobody, well, maybe Arsenal fans could have predicted the calamity that was David Luiz against Man City. And it was just so funny. Like, no, I think that was, I mean, his lack of coordinate. Oh, it's just, it's just so, I think, I think it's his hair. I'll be honest. I think the sideshow Bob quality of him makes every mistake he does funnier. Uh, And that game against City was just, I was, I was off my chair. No, he's throwback to when Gary Neville described him as a, be controlled by, by a little boy and a PlayStation controller. Um, for me, it was probably when Norwich beat Man City earlier in the season, just because Pep looked so puzzled. And and, and Norwich were just like, that was when they were kind of on a semi-high with Pukki, etc., doing well. But but um, Pep just looked really puzzled, and the entire situation was just so bizarre and quite ludicrous. That just, I just burst out laughing. So for me, I mean, it, that, that was probably one of my funnier moments. Um, we've not really had any kind of iconic interview lines or any funny interview moments that we, that we normally really have, or none that I can really recall off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's an enjoyable award to give. All right, boys, let's move on to the final segment, which is our teams of the season. So um, I might as well um, go first. And my team is 4-3-3. Um, I've got Henderson in goal, Trent right back, Egan and Van Dyke centre backs, Robertson left back, midfield three of... De Bruyne, Declan Rice, and Christian Pulisic. Um, although I think you could make a case for Jordan Henderson and a number of others. And then the front three, I've got on the right, Traore. In the centre, Danny Ings. And on the left, Sadio Mane. Um, what do you think of that? And what are your teams? Arjun? Um, yeah, good choice. Is um, My team is 4-4-2. So Nick Pope in goal. Trent, Van Dijk, Rice and Robertson in defence. Wide midfielders are Sterling and Mane. Um, the midfielders in the centre would be Henson and De Bruyne. And then up front, Aubameyang and Ings. Mm. Obviously, with Mane, it's the case that he plays more in a front three, but I had to accommodate him somehow. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wanted to have Sterling and Mane there as well. Sterling mm. there as well. So, yeah, that, that's my team. So, you I'm wanted to... I'm pick for Pulisic, especially yeah. in midfield. Seeing, I mean, I guess you have to accommodate him somehow, but I'm surprised that you pick, picked him over Henderson. Considering how little Pulisic really featured in the first half of the season, 
the, well, the reason is the reason right. is just because just because I think um the Henderson I I think I've, I've made like two or three iterations of this team and Henderson is in the other two. But the reason yeah. why I chose to the reason why I chose to mention this one on this on this pod is just because um I think Blizzard offers something interesting and new to the league. He, he beats people, he runs at people. But yeah, I could very easily just sub out Pulisic for Henderson and I'd be, yeah. I'd be very satisfied with that. But, be but, honest, but yeah, to be honest, you could make a two separate elevens a a. a, a a post-lockdown um, 11. Yes. Yeah, and you know, Project Restart 11, he would definitely be there, um, as would Bruno Fernandes. But if, if you're talking about overall season, for me, he doesn't get in there. But no, yeah. Fair enough. No, no, that's fair. Um, Lawrence, your 11. Well, I've gone 4-4-2 as well as Arjun. I'm a, I'm a real sucker for tradition, to be honest. So <laughs> that, that's where I've gone. That. Um, so in goal, I've got Henderson. My defence is Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, and what I put Basham at centre back, but really the award, uh, yeah, I could have put John Egan, but really the award goes to the entirety of the Sheffield defence. Yeah. That place. Um, I put Egan just because of his late goal and stuff as well, you know. Yeah. Um, at left back, I've gone Andrew Robertson. Yeah. Um, right mid, I've gone Adama Traore. Two centre mids, I've gone De Bruyne and Henderson. Just thought mm-hmm. Henderson, you know, is he's been kind of captain fantastic. I, mean, I know oh, we haven't yes. talked about him. A, a huge deal in this pod but um i think he's been the heartbeat of the team his work rate is never questioned and i think he's very underrated as a passer um all i'll say yeah. is liverpool have lost more points in the eight games that he's not been in than in the 30 games where he was in all i'll say is that um i think that should yeah that yeah he, he's the kind of player whose influence you don't always necessarily see but you can definitely you can um, notice it when he's not there kind of like Busquets. um Exactly. Your front three, Lauren. Your front two, even. Um, well, I've got Marnie at left mid. Yeah. Um, and then my front two would be uh, Jamie Vardy and Raul Jimenez. Um, no, Danny Ings. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel like... I didn't see... In, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. And, mm. um, but, yeah. Um, yeah no, I've enjoyed watching always, them too a bit more. But, yeah. Jimenez is always... He's a very good player. And um, I think Wolves are uh, a very good squad for next year. Also, you uh, can't you can't pick Traore without picking Jimenez, you know. Yeah. Because that combination has been the most, uh, the biggest combination in the league. Ten times they've combined to score goals. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. Um, Boti, what are your thoughts? I see we've got Jack Grealish in there somewhere. Oh yes, and uh, I'm ready to justify why I've done. That. <laughs> let, let's let's start from the back. Um, so I've got Edison in goal. Um, we've already had the debate on uh, oh, goalkeepers, so. Um, I, I think we can move past that. Um, uncontroversially, I, I think every single one of us put uh, Trent and Robertson on the wings. Virgil van Dijk also makes it there. And one of my two controversial picks here is actually Maguire at centre-back. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why before I move on. So, And I'm going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 1. 1.8 interceptions per game and 1.1 tackles actually put him on the top number one centre-back where Virgil van Dijk was only at 0.8 tackles per game and one interception per game. Beyond this, he came second in aerials, uh, Virgil van Dijk unsurprisingly leading that at 75%. Um, Maguire had 72%, which was 136 of 190 aerials won. Um, Furthermore, a really interesting stat that's not really mentioned too much, and um, 
it, it never occurred to me. I, I just found this on the Internet. But the progressive carrying distance, which is the uh, distance that he travels with the ball forward. So this is forwards only. It's 8,408 yards, which was the fourth most in the Premier League. That's of all players. That's the fourth most. And he was that puts him as a first in the defender. So this is a very important skill, bringing the ball up from the back. His distribution was great. Um, and his pass percentage was also in top 10. Um, and of course, you have to mention, he played every minute. So there's, there, there was a great stamina, 13 clean sheets and a remarkable 0.16 bookings per 90 minutes. So in light of all this, uh, I, I had to say Maguire wins a spot. He deserves it because of um, the central role he played in carrying Manchester United to third place, which nobody would have thought would be possible. Um, so th those are my reasons. And I'm sure L Lawrence would love to challenge me on this. Um, so I'll, I'll let him have a go. Yeah, Lawrence, what do you say about that? Because, I mean, from my perspective, I can see people like Sionchu, Gomez, etc. having better seasons than Maguire. But those stats are pretty compelling. What are your thoughts? Well, th this is... For me, this is an example of what Arjun referred to in quite a few pods ago, which is uh, the statistic test versus the eye test. Um, David De Gea, for example, this season has 13 clean sheets, which puts him joint third in the league. But would you say he's had a good season? Despite United conceding so little goals this season, I don't feel like Maguire um, or De Gea have had good seasons at all. Um and for this, and, and the reason for this is, is, is mainly because through watching every single one of United's games this season, we don't concede goals because we we get outplayed or our, or we sort of we lose to a fantastic goal. We get we lose we concede goals to individual errors, um, and this happens far too much from both Lindelof and Maguire uh, this season. You talked about his interceptions record. It's it's undeniable that Maguire is decent in the air, um, and we have defended well from crosses this season. But he lacks mobility and he lacks positional awareness. That means that we get caught out far too easily, especially on the break. Um, and it's games like that against Bournemouth where we conceded two goals, two unnecessary goals, where Maguire just got absolutely nutmegged by Junior Stanislas, which really shouldn't happen to anyone um he tends to get turned quite easily as well just exactly so yeah he for me even though he's played every minute this season for united and been made captain um i i don't feel like he's been the a solidifying presence in the center of defense that united were looking for when they signed him and that is why uh people are calling for united to buy another center back this summer Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, um, hard. To, I mean, um, I probably come somewhere, in probably um, position story somewhere in between you. Um, I think the stats are quite compelling, but yeah, you you can't get past the eye test just because he looks like he's going to make a mistake and he does make mistakes and he does get turned quite easily. And I think he does. It, unlike Van Dijk, he does need Maguire does need another centre back of, of good quality next to him. Whereas Van Dijk can can elevate someone like a Lovren or a Matip. He doesn't need a doesn't need someone equally as good as him next to him. Sorry, um, but it is but it is true of what Boti says that Maguire's distribution is quite good. Yeah, and good. He, him brings along with, out, he brings the ball over yeah, across the halfway line well. Both him and Lindelof do add uh, 
into the midfield very well because they are comfortable technically. Mm. No, yeah, I think um, if Man United do want to move further, though, I do think they probably need to move past Lindelof specifically. Uh, Boti, your midfield and your forward line. I just want to add one more thing on the centre-back position. Joe Gomez was a strong competitor, but just because of um, how few starts he actually had in the end this season, I, I chose not to involve him. Yeah, um, I mean, but, um, his but stats are really good, but when he's he made some start. mistakes post-lockdown as well. Mm. Right. So for my midfield, um, there's the uncontroversial Kevin De Bruyne. There's Bruno Fernandes, who I've spent the whole hour of this pod praising. And my other controversial pick is Jack Grealish. And mm. I'm going to give you another brief, briefer than the last one, a quick statistic storm of why. His eight goals and six assists, which were uh, crucial to keeping Villa up. 2.5 key passes per 90 minutes, which made him the most creative player in the Premier League. Also having the best passing accuracy, 85% overall um, completion rate, a record number of fouls drawn, and um, the spirit that he gave Aston Villa. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I simp for Jack Grealish, so he makes it into my team. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest, at least you're honest. Arjun, Lawrence, do you have any objections to kind of Grealish's inclusion there? I mean, um, I, I think I struggled to fit him in mind because I had kind of Pulisic or Henderson and then Rice and and De Bruyne, so Rice would be the one to depart for Grealish in, in my team. Lawrence Arjun? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. Uh, I think it's fair enough including a player like Grealish. I wouldn't personally have him there, but I can see the reasons why um, Boti put him there. Fair enough. Lawrence? I personally don't simp for Grealish, um, but I do see why, <laughs> why he's been put in there. He has been Villa's talisman this season. Without him, Villa certainly would have gone down. Um, whether he has played well enough individually as opposed to just being the best of a bad team mm. um, to warrant being in the team of the year. I don't know. Fair enough. No, but um, yeah, he's certainly up there. Um, and yeah, both of your forwards. So I have Mane at left wing. I have Salah at right wing. And um, I, I wanted to try and fit Aubameyang or Ings in here. But in the end, I did go with Vardy. He mm. won the Golden Boot. Um, his his goals um, got got less of European football. Um, I, I yeah, I went with Vardy in the middle. Fair enough. No, I mean um, so I mean, if surprising inclusion of Salah. He's had his worst season in Liverpool shirt, which obviously still means that he was excellent. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised that you included him just because um, he's not really anyone else's team, not even in mine. Um, but yeah, no, fair enough. Um, no Traore for you, Burbotti. Traore simply, um, the I mean, he's incredible, and I was thinking of putting him in, but Sal has still racked up 19 goals and 10 assists, and that's that's hard to overlook for me. Yeah, no, those, that those is, are big numbers. Those are, those are. But yeah, no, that was a very long pod, boys. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, we covered uh, the last round of Premier League games, went through our Premier League awards, whether it's best player, best player in each position, funniest moment, best moment, best coach. Um, and yeah, now, now we've covered our, our best 11. So yeah, thank you all for um uh joining us this hour thank you for listening um Boti, lawrence arjun thank you if you'd like to say bye 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 thanks for listening guys see ya <laughs> all right see you guys cheers and yeah please do follow us on spotify um follow us on instagram you'll find the link to our spotify on our instagram and yeah subscribe to us on youtube thanks so much bye Symposium with Ash Orlack.